this instrumental of Last Resort kind of sounds like a ripoff to me. It does. That's weird. Yeah. Hey, Steve, did you record this or something <laughs> yourself? <laughs> is that a no, MIDI this is, file? This is the official instrumental. Is oh, studio, my God. Yes. That sounds odd. Yeah. The, you know what it probably is? Um, so on <laughs> K-Man, we're in mono and not stereo. So a lot of things might sound a little different because you're not getting two separate signals. It's just the one. Check out the big brain on <laughs> there you stage. Go. Trust me, a lot of weird artifacting happens when you shove a stereo signal just down to mono. Dude, you're can, smart. Can you explain in a cool way the difference between mono and stereo? Oh, boy. So mono just kind of is terrible because there's less stuff for you to be able to jam out to. Stereo is okay. like the cool older cousin that you want to hang out with at Thanksgiving. Because he's just got way more stuff going on. Dude, Steve. Okay. Steve. Okay. Steve. 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 <laughs> Killing it today. You you also want, you want to hear something else that I thought was interesting? Completely off topic. I mean, <laughs> it's just completely out of left field. During the break, I, I saw a story pop up on Twitter. I was like, I saw the headline, Playboy Mansion Cocaine. I was like, Whoa. I got to read into this. Whoa. It's like, what are we reading here? So Whoa, apparently, boy. like, A&E is going to be releasing a docuseries about... Uh, like the Playboy Mansion, the secrets of it, and like what went on back in the day. And uh, the first, the first couple of lines I read here is like there, there was this poodle that ran around the Playboy Mansion in the seventies, and there was so much cocaine at these parties the dog got addicted. Whoa! I'm like, oh, oh my man. god! You're the like, Playboy Mansion is pretty cool, huh? <laughs> You're like, dude, I put my stuff down. Right here, I swear to God. What do you think? Where's it at? And then the dogs. Can you, like the, the dog poodle. had a, a toenail a little longer than the others. Hey, oh, that's nice. You know, the and the dog, like a poodle is already unhinged a little bit. They're already wild. Can you imagine like a coked up poodle? I can't. I have no <laughs> idea what to expect. That's sad. They took it to the vet and he's like, what the hell happened here? Did you That's wild. You? Like, I, that is the... That's one of the best sales jobs I've ever seen for a documentary. <laughs> like, I, I, if there's footage of this, I gotta see it. Is it on A and E? A and E. Oh, nice. And there's a. I, I wish I could play this video because it's like a former playmate like talking about this dog. Wow. And like the drug use that used to go on. I mean, it was the '70s, of course. Oh, you know, sure, sure. You can't imagine the Playboy Mansion in the '70s not having <laughs> just a a. Like basically a pantry right, of drugs. Right. You can get anything you wanted. A drawer here. We got cocaine. Don't let the dog know. Uh. <laughs> they put it up high so yeah. the dog couldn't jump up there. Oh my god! You see, that's when the dog gets smart and starts pulling chairs up and Ser- stuff. Yeah, jumping up on the counter. Like, get off of there! Like, oh, why you don't like the dog up there because of the food? No, the cocaine drawer we have. He just bogarts the thing. Oh my. God, when is this? When is it? Let's see. It debuts on January twenty fourth. That's in twelve days. Oh, jeez, I I hate when that happens. When they go, oh, check out this documentary, and you're like all in, and they're like, it plays in a month on Paramount Plus. Like I'm not gonna remember that. Speaking of addiction, man, I I tell you what, I got really addicted to that show on A and E. That was uh the cop show, the live cop show. Oh, live PD, live PD. Dude. Thank you. Oh. Man, that you could lose easily three or four hours just watching that, dude. Like, that because then they jumped all over the you know, like they jumped yeah, all went over. to different locations. So there was a guy that you know, how they always shoot back to the studio and they have like the host guy yeah. and then two cops. One of the cops' names is his nickname is Sticks, 
and he was from Tulsa, and he was like the gang unit. Oh, he had the, did he have the tattoos? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my wife, her brother joined the the Tulsa Police Department and like met Sticks, and I was like, what's he like? And he's like, a total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's uh, like- Don't meet ho- your heroes, kids. He's like Hollywood now, you know what I mean? Oh, Date- yeah. Big, well, he, he, yeah, he was on that show like all the time. Yeah, he started dating Lana Del Rey. What? Yeah, 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 totally. He started dating her. They're How did the they run- meet? Dude, now that is where, we're, now we're talking. Where does that world collide? Those two worlds collide. Maybe there was another documentary about another cocaine dog and first whatever. <laughs> they, they're under like a red carpet. But yeah. The dog got caught with cocaine <laughs> and he busted it. Listen, babe, you go out with me. All right, to the Outback Steakhouse, and I'll let this slide. We've got a lot of cocaine poodles. You'll never believe how many poodles. That is wild. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But he, he's, uh, not, I don't know if they're still dating, but yeah, he was the man for a hot second. Just like Live PD was yeah. on fire, and then, ugh, then they Then they did a bunch of spinoff shows, like Live Paramedics or Live Firefighters or something like that. Yeah, and it's like, it's not the same. You know what I mean? This no, is it's the not. Same. It's no, it's same. not. And nothing like really ever too crazy happened on Live PD. Like you didn't. There was a couple of shootouts. And there, stuff, there but, were, but mostly yeah. it was them just like talking to people. You know, like most of the time the cops going, "If you just calm down, I'll let you go." <laughs> and the person's going, "Ah, yeah." Then ah! they arrest them. You know, I, I don't know well, what they that strategically is. did. Like they shot that show in multiple locations. You know, of course, there's dim- different. Uh, demographics, but also like different kind of crime. Like uh-huh. I think they're in like the St. Louis area where there's a high rate of crime. They are also in El Paso where there's a lot of like illegal immigration taking place. Right. They went in some like, you know, like white trash hillbilly area. Like they, yeah. you kind of got a little bit of everything. It mm-hmm. was very strategically done. The Meanwhile, pu- they shot the show in New York City, like all the studio stuff. They, they did that, the studios of New York, and then they go to like Delaware. And I'm like, what's going on in Delaware? And man, it's going down in Delaware, dude. You don't want to go there. And the thing is, like, they, they didn't have cameras in New York City going around because there's actually not a, like a lot of crime happening <laughs> right? in New York City anymore. It's weird. I'm moving back to New York, man. I, I love it there. I never awful. saw anything. I didn't see. I never heard a gunshot. I did hear sirens, of course, but yeah, yeah. it was usually ambulances. Right. Never saw a cop flying down the road in New York City. And you were like in Times Square. Is that where the studio? Uh, that was where the studio was. I lived in the Upper West Side. That's a good area, Upper yeah. West Side, and also Brooklyn. Uh, Park Slope was also a really good area. It didn't used to be. Park Slope used to be like bad. really bad. Yeah. Like just twenty years prior to that, and mm. uh, gentrification. If you know what I mean. <laughs> you missed it. Oh. So we really got off track there. Wait a second. I, we need to get to Mitch Palm here because Mitch mm-hmm. Palm has been busy crunching the numbers, figuring out what is going to happen in Bramble's Coliseum tonight. And really your guess is as good as Mitch Palm's because it, I mean, a lot of numbers were crunched and it was hard to figure out these numbers, but got it down to a couple of things. And let's talk about Mitch Palm and what he, what it thinks about, um, uh, because we pretend Mitch Palm is a computer program. Uh, <laughs> About TCU and the Cats tonight. So let's go ahead and hit the thing. Fire it up. You've heard of Ken Paul. Well, that guy. <laughs> Here's Mitch Paul with tonight's prediction. You got to give the people what they want. So obviously, Mitch Palm is a big breakdown of the opponent. If you're a Cats fan, you know the Cats. So let's talk about the TCU Horn Frogs. They're right now 10 and 2 on the year. They lost their last game. 
which was to number one Baylor, 64, uh, I beg your pardon, 76-64, and that was in Fort Worth. That was actually their first game since December 21st, so they went 18 days without a game. Uh, that was their first Big 12 game of the season, so they've only played one conference contest. The Horn Frogs, though, they they played well in the first half. They actually led by six points, but then it was all Baylor the rest of the way. The Bears outscored TCU 45-27 in the second half and uh, led to that win for Baylor. So <laughs> the first thing Mitch Palm found was about this freshman by the name of Eddie Lampkin. He's averaging right now 5.6 rebounds a game. Usually comes off the bench. However, he is listed on the roster of having two numbers. He wears number four and number zero. Mitch Palm thinks that is trash. Yeah, what? You're a Division One Power 5 player. How can the school not provide you with one number? They can afford what? the jerseys. What's going on down there? That's a bad look, yeah, TCU. Like, oh. That's a little bit garbaggio, if you yeah. know what I mean. Yeah. Now, the numbers, you know, there are some that make actually TCU look pretty good. As a matter of fact, they are one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the nation. It's one of the best things they do is go after offensive boards. And I think that actually can make into a good battle because I have actually, I've liked K-State's rebounding this year. Like guys like Mark Smith, they go after every rebound. I love that kind of effort. But uh, 41% of the time, hmm. TC was grabbing an offensive board. Wow. That's a, that's a big number. That's second in the country. Wow. That's by far their best number that they have this season. So... Shooting the basketball, a little iffy, right? They're not consistent. They're 48.8% from inside the three-point line. That is 206th in the country. They're 31.5% from three-point range. That's 252nd in the country. And I I do, when I throw that out there, I want to remind you, K-State defensively, a field goal percentage defense is 32nd in the country. And right now they stand at 7th in the nation in three-point field goal defense mm-hmm. at 26.5%. My worry, though, is letting a team like TCU have success inside the arc. Even though K-State has played good defense throughout the year, recently they have had an issue with allowing teams easy buckets or second-chance uh, second opportunities inside the three-point line. For some reason, it just breaks down mm-hmm. inside the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Breaking down the players, sophomore Mike Miles is very impressive to Mitch Palm. 17 points a game. He is the leading scorer. He has scored in double figures every single game this season. So, I mean, history tells you he'll get into double figures Yo. tonight. But uh, he did score 13 points in Manhattan last year. But K-State was able, back then, that last year's team, it wasn't solid on defense until towards the end. They kept him to 3-for-13 from the field. Just don't let him get to the free-throw line. He can make them. He was 7-for-7 last year. Chuck O'Bannon, he's number 5. He has scored in double figures in four straight games. He averages 10 points a game. But he's also the best three-point shooter. Watch out for him. He is pretty good. 41%. He's made 12 of his last 24 attempts. And then the other player that stands out to Mitch Palm is Emmanuel Miller. Um, He is a transfer and he leads TCU. By the way, they have eight newcomers this year, so that's a big number. Uh, but he averages 11.7 rebounds a game. But the thing is, like, Mitch Palm went through the schedule, and there really just aren't any impressive wins 
on their schedule, which you can also make you know, the same argument about K-State. There really aren't too many impressive wins. They beat Nebraska, beat Wichita State, but you know not the best teams in the world. Yeah, but we're not talking about the Cats. We're, not. we're talking about the Horn. We're talking about TCU. Uh-huh. So their best win, a, a big problem. Let me go back to the losses. <laughs> so their other loss this year, other than losing to Baylor, they have one other loss. That was to Santa Clara. Santa Clara is 10-5, and five, <laughs> and they lost to Cal. Cal is like a 500 team. They're not great. Uh, best win is against Texas A&M. You know, that's not actually too bad. Their net is 61. But then their next best win is Oral Roberts, who's in the 120s. Come on. So it's just not a strong resume right now for TCU. Yeah. And you said, you know, Mitch Palm said that they're really great at offensive rebound. Sounds like they get a lot of practice with all the bricks Karanging off of the rim. I mean, I you better be good at offensive rebound, or you're going to get That's hit a good in the point. Head. That's a good point because Mitch Palm tonight sees it going this way. Yeah, you know this is actually the two worst teams in the Big Twelve <laughs> when it comes to shooting the basketball. <laughs> oh boy, both teams are hungry for a win. Mitch Palm says K State is just a tad bit hungrier. Both teams shoot 43 percent from the field, but K State is actually three percent better from shooting from three point range. Plus, the Cats are slightly better defensively and with more depth back. As K-State looks like they might just be missing Mike McGurl, but we'll find out in a few hours. Mitch Palm likes K-State's depth better than TCU. And with a win tonight, K-State will have their 400th win all-time inside of Bramlage Coliseum. Whoa! And it's a must-win for Bruce Weber, which we'll get more on that here in just a moment. But it is a must-win for the Cats. Ken Palm has this game as K-State winning at a chance of 60%. Hmm. And the final score is 68-65, according to Ken Palm. Ken Palm, I'm sorry, but that doesn't sound like a 60% chance of winning type of score. No. Like, I would I would, you know, make that a little bit of a wider margin, so that's what Mitch Palm is going to do. Mitch Palm has K-State 61% chance of winning tonight. Final score is 69-63. K-State will make it a little bit wider because they're hitting some free throws down the stretch, and they'll win by six points tonight. Nice. Mitch Palm likes the Cats in Bramlage against TCU in a must-win type of game. Backs against the wall, trying to get off the schneid. When Mitch Palm printed that piece of paper, that long piece of paper out of the CPU. Yeah, had to like rip off the sides, uh-huh. you know, rip and off the old dotted crust. We start reading it and we go, oh man, the cats are taking care of business. It's going to happen. Four hundy in Bramlage. It's, yeah, it's going to And I hope it's a wider margin than that. K-State yeah. not only needs a win, they need to kind of make a statement a tonight thumper. because it gets hard after this game, and especially uh, with this next the next four games coming up, why it's so big for K-State to win tonight. You'll uh, We'll get more details into that coming up next because it is tough after tonight. Now, this is Linkin Park, right? I've heard this like song a hundred times, but I couldn't give you the lyrics. That's lying from you. Yeah. I'm lying my way from you. Oh, <laughs> that one. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Listen, <laughs> if you want to get on the mass Singer, this isn't the place to do it. <laughs> well, listen, I'm all for it. Okay, if you... <laughs> Mitch's vote counts... Way more than mine, but you're in, pal. 
That was awesome. Funny enough, I actually do sing in my spare time. So oh. I do a lot of like metal, like I don't. And stuff. I'm not surprised at all because your voice is a revelation, really. And oh. That was amazing. Okay. Never stop that. <laughs> don't let people bring you down. Okay. Yeah, Mitch. <laughs> You said you could do some metal, uh, like, growls? Yeah. You want me to do one right now? <laughs> well, we have to. We got to hear it. All right. <clears throat> do, you need some, do you need some instrumental behind you? No, no, no. I just need some water first. Okay. Do you need some lemon? Oh, wait. <laughs> no. Do you need some tequila? Hey! Maybe. Callback. Well, that's for a different time. All right. Ooh. Let's hear it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Man, all right. Pretty good. Now, yeah, for those good. listening, they're probably like, what the hell did I just listen to? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's like Grammy-worthy yeah. of death metal right there. Yeah, no, that's how... Like, the- <laughs> I'm going to put it to you this way. If you ever try to take up like death metal screaming, definitely take your time in learning it, because if you do it wrong, you will just completely You'll destroy your vocal cords. Your, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, like... You know, like <laughs> Metal, first of all, like the singing of metal. I, sure. No, nothing against Big Steve though, but it's like it's not exactly like highly regarded as the most talented people, right? But metal musicians, like speed drummers, and guitarists, the guitarists, oh man, like that is some. It, it maybe not be the most glorious music when it's you know played in your ears, but for some, for most. But when it comes to overall, just talent. They are not touched. Yeah, no. it's a very technical medium, and you can tell when somebody's not on their game doing it. Absolutely, so. and it, like when someone is on their game, it's like they're in like another world. There's yeah. a reason through the fire and flames on Guitar Hero Two is the hardest song to play. That's true. That's what I they saw say. That. I saw that band, by the way, Dragon oh. Force, one time live play through the fire and flames. I was like, that was a fantastic concert you're like whoa that was really good i was like no (laughs) i was literally i was blown away i was like wow this is a fantastic concert wow um i actually then they had stephen schaefer's come up at in the next act and just blow you away there and you go wait a (laughs) second i'm telling you i'm kind of like i'm late to the show on some death metal but um there's a band ginger with a j never never they have a female lead vocalist who does the growl the roar and she is amazing. She sings, and she's real. The, her singing's pretty. It's great. It's fantastic. And then she gets into the growl, and it's um, it's insane. It is nuts. Look up Ginger. Um, Pisces is one, and Vortex. The video for Vortex is really cool. But Ginger, Vortex, or Pisces, fantastic. I tell you what, man. The females being lead singers of rock and roll these days like that's it's been a hot trend for a while a now like maria brink uh-huh. I mean, i'm gonna just start throwing some names here maria brink in this moment whoo yeah man good seen her a couple of times good really good and it's like one of those like no longer is it good for a she's good for a girl nah it's good for a per, uh, human you know what i mean like these people are ultra talented and very 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 good at what they do um, but they got competition coming from Manhattan, Kansas. Well, speaking of competition, oh, I'm glad you brought up that word because <laughs> I needed a transition. No, Steve's just going to scream. He's going <laughs> to growl through everything when we don't have uh, when we have a segue. We're just going to point to Steven and he's going to go. Roar. That's the record scratch. Yeah, that's the. Uh, I like <sighs> competition. Man, Bruce Weber needs a win tonight. Badly. Big time. 
and TCU is vulnerable to pick up that win. The reason it's such a big win, there's really there's multiple reasons why Bruce Weber needs a win, and I'm, I'm mentioning him specifically, and it's because it goes back to what we talked about at the start of the year and how this is a make-or-break year for Bruce Weber. And I, it will never take away what he's done for K-State athletics and winning a couple of Big 12 championships and making it to an Elite Eight. But the last couple of years have been very rough, not just when it comes to results, but also when it comes to guys just sticking around. We've seen you know multiple years just a complete exodus of transfers. It's you know kind of just wiping the slate clean a couple of times and trying from scratch. Now, this year does feel like it's been one of the best recruiting years that K-State has had in a while, and you really look at the transfer portal. Mark Smith has been great. Amazing. Ish Masood at the four. He's really the only four K-State has this year. He hasn't had the most consistent year, but man, he's hit some big shots. He can knock down the triple. Absolutely. He's a rebounder as well. And also, my favorite player on the team <laughs> is Marquise Noel. Mm-hmm. And there's no doubt about it that he adds just a different energy to the floor when he's out there. So Bruce Weber really found something when he got those three guys to come into Manhattan. And I felt like he they have gelled well with the team, but we've also seen struggles. You know, those guys have had a, f- a few struggles here and there, but there's no doubt about it, they are improved from last year. That is a clear fact that they are better from last year. But with that come the results, and we actually, you know, you really haven't seen the results you're hoping, go back to the non-con, not beating Marquette hurts. Falling down early to Arkansas hurts. Letting Illinois escape with just hitting those threes and pulling away hurts. And now you end up in this portion of the schedule where you know what you have right now. You're 8-6. and six, You're 0-3 in Big 12 play. Bruce Weber needs to make it to postseason play. And this is where the winning has to start happening especially with playing at home tonight. You have to win your conference home games. You cannot afford to go 3-6 and six at home in Big 12 play and expect to go anywhere. You're donezo at that point. It's not going to happen. You do not have a resume, most likely, to be able to play postseason basketball. And why, so, why tonight is so big, TCU, you can beat them. But up next, the next four games is the toughest portion of the schedule in my opinion. Texas Tech comes in on Saturday, 11 a.m., which will be their fourth game in seven days. D.Y. mentioned that in the first hour. That is a fact. They will play tomorrow against Oklahoma State. But Texas Tech has won a couple of games in a row. One was against the Kansas Jayhawks at home, and Texas Tech did not have their top two scores. Tech got one of their scores back for the game at Baylor last night. The number one team in the country who had won like 21 straight. And Tech goes in there and wins that game. Mm -hmm. And they really won it on a a glorious dunk by a guy by the name of Adonis Arms. Yeah. And what a name that is. What a name. That is a perfect name for a play like that. (laughs) But Texas is after that. That's Tuesday, January 18th at Texas. They had beaten you already after K-State was up nine and shorthanded. Maybe K-State could pull that off, but that's a tough task. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the, the the next two games after that are two of the best teams in the conference, if not the best teams, I would argue they are, in Kansas at home on Saturday, January 22nd, and then at Baylor on January 25th. That is a tough road 
And I'm scared that K-State is going to start 0-8 in Big 12 play. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. yeah. It is a legit possibility. Bruce Weber cannot survive that. Yeah. I don't think even the sunniest of sunshine and bumper would say 0-8. That's fine. There's a lot of times, especially I, I'm addicted to Twitter. I love Twitter, K-State Twitter. Shout out to you. Um, and there's a lot of times where I go, every time, like when the when cats, when they lose, I don't think it's an, a, an affront every single time. Like, Bruce has got to go. Sometimes the ball just doesn't fall, and sometimes it falls for the other guy. It's just like, for me, in the major leagues, a guy will make the right pitch, and a, a dude will still hit it out of the park. But you still made the right pitch. You know what I mean? But they're, everybody's, you know, good. I think it's kind of the same way with this basketball team sometimes the losses i don't are like uh, are not a indictment on him if you go zero and eight in conference i don't think there's any way to twist and turn that and say it's not that bad or oh you're just negative you go zero and eight in con to start off with you we we gotta speaking of wiping the slate clean we gotta do that for this program for us for k-state we got to think about K State instead of just one person. You got to wipe the slate clean. If it's zero and eight, there's no way he he survives that. No way. Now it, it, it's Big Twelve basketball. You know, nobody would have predicted last year. You no know, K State was really bad last year. Would never have picked it, predicted K State beating a top ten Oklahoma team. I'm just saying it can happen at any time. It can. Where a team can shock you. Sure. And I'm not saying it's impossible for K State in the next four games after TCU to to pick up a win. Maybe beat Kansas at home. You know, hopefully it's a rowdy place and and the Cats can pull off the win. I'm just saying it's a tough road ahead, and it, it could be really rough. Casey could pull off some wins, but it's going to be tough. And it starts with TCU tonight. I know Bruce Weber can be the raw raw type of guy and go in there and deliver a good speech. Needs some big words and basically all hands on deck mm-hmm. from this point forward because it's a very pivotal time right now for K-State men's basketball. That's going to determine how things go the rest of the season. And after that, those four games, Ole Miss, Oklahoma State, another one at TCU. Ole Miss, they're not solid. They're okay. You know, they're, they're kind of a kind of having a K-State year as well. That's a winnable game in Oxford. Can we look up uh, how many times are we going to play Ole Miss? <laughs> I mean, it's it's like happened. This will be the third time, yeah, My in the last God. seven years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's like, dude, they still got Marshall Henderson on the team. What's going on? This is terrible. No, but apparently he sits courtside at some games once ah, in a while. I did see that. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, yeah. A land shark doesn't have a life outside of Oxford, <laughs> apparently. All right, we got number one song of the day. That's coming up next. Something I think you'll understand And I say that something I wanna hold your hand I wanna hold your hand I wanna hold your hand You know, people these days just go nuts for those filthy pop songs. <laughs> Man, they went nuts. Yeah, they did. Over... A beetle potentially holding their hand. Yeah. And some dad goes, now what do he say? He's going to do what? Not in my house. You know? Exactly. <laughs> That's the devil's it. hand. It's the devil's hand. I bet you play that backwards and it says smoke marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> you play that backwards and it says smoke peyote. Get that out of my house. 
from 1964, oh. I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles, seven weeks at number one. Beatlemania. Is that like, I'm sorry, I always bust you out with these questions. Like, uh-huh. okay. Is this, can you tell, is this in the midst of like that run they oh. had? Were, were they like well, just. I, I will get to that here ah, in just a moment okay, about okay, exactly okay. what that, because it is 64. Uh huh. Beatle, Beatlemania took place in 64. So, uh, for those that don't know, the Beatles, English rock band from Liverpool, they <laughs> formed in 1960. Not the original lineup that we, grown, that we grew to love, as of course Pete Best was the first drummer, and then in comes this old man named Ringo Starr. Can you name all four Beatles? Paul McCartney, John Lennon, um, Ringo Starr, and uh, the, I don't know the other Everybody guy. forgets. Yeah, I don't know. George Harrison. George Harrison! I, Everybody, uh, George, and George Harrison is my favorite Beatle. He's the, in my opinion, the best singer. Now, I know he wrote "My Guitar Gently Weeps," and that's one of my favorite songs of all time. So I'm an idiot. Sorry, something. R.I.P. George I think Harrison. Something. Uh, you know, he also sings something. Mm-hmm. Um, George Harrison. He was legit. Pa- passed away, unfortunately. But yeah. yeah, he was also in the Traveling Wilburys. That super group with like Bob Dylan and Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah. And he was uh, Roy like, Oberson was in that. They loved him. They, they, he was like, he was like the cool kid that all these other cool kids were trying to like impress all the time. I can't imagine being in that group and you're like the guy. You know, like that's some heavy hitters there. I, uh, I, I, George Harrison also sings on "Here Comes the Sun." That's my favorite oh, Beatles yeah. song. Uh, yeah. More on the Beatles here. They were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in ninety and eighty-eight, rather, and then each member was inducted solo. After that, Paul just inducted the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Foo Fighters. Thirteen studio out. Al- of course, you know every publication out there says they're the best in the world of all time as well. Thirteen studio albums. They had fifty top forty hits, Damn. and this was their very first of twenty number ones in the United States. Wow. From their fourth studio album called Meet the Beatles, it was released 18 days before the Beatles arrived in New York City for Beatles Mania. So again, 18 days prior to their arrival. Stoke the flames there. I don't know if you heard of the actress by the name of uh, Jane Asher, but uh, Paul McCartney dated her at one point and John and Paul wrote this in her basement. That's and cool. then the Beatles performed this song twice on the Ed Sullivan Show. So at times, John Lennon realized the crowd... <laughs> Here's a story for the for the Beatles fans out there. So John Lennon, they realized the crowd was so crazy loud, you couldn't even hear them sing anyway. So John used to change the lyrics to this song when they sang it. Instead of, I want to hold your hand, he would say... I want to hold your gland, as in like a woman's breast. Whoa. Getting a little edgy. dirty. Edgy John Lennon. Wow. That of course, is... you know, he, he once made the comment that they're bigger than Jesus. And <laughs> yeah. Let's be fair. Yeah. The Beatles were bigger than Jesus. He, he, he had to walk that back. You know, they're like, well, here's the deal. If you're going to be famous in America, you can't say that stuff, so... Walk it back. Let's see. Uh, what else here? Um, Steven, you don't, you don't need to play it again. We get it. Um, <laughs> let's see here. I, I got a couple more things about holding hands. Uh, so this, we're talking 
months prior to the song being released. It was actually first played at a Washington, D.C. radio station before it was released in America. DJ by the name of Carol James, who got the record from a stewardess. A stewardess had it on the plane, was telling this DJ about the Beatles. And like, I, I got to hear the song. Wow. I got to hear this song. Got the album, loved the song, played it on the radio station. People couldn't get enough of it. It's crazy. It was such a huge record. And uh, Capitol Records had to release a song earlier because of it already playing in Washington, D.C. That's nuts. I Want to Hold Your Hand actually became the Beatles' best-selling single worldwide, 12 million. In 2018, Billboard magazine ranked it the 48th biggest hit of all time on the Billboard Hot 100. And then the Rolling Stone, uh, their top 500 songs. Wow. They had it on their list. You want to take... All right, it's a guessing game for everybody. Where did Rolling Stone name I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles on their top 500 songs? Number two. Number two, Big Steve. He's like, oh, the Beatles. I, I think we've been over this. I always have the script up, Mitch. Oh, yeah, I'm that's spoiled. right. spoiled. But I don't think Sam saw it. Sam, yell out Sam what you think. Sam Honey Buns. What do you think it is, Sam? Hold on. Let me ten. Oh, he's going he ten. says ten. Sam says ten. Ten. Ten, all right. <laughs> um, Sam was closer. Fifteenth. Number 15 on their top 500. I, I just can't pin down these it, these jokers from Rolling Stone, man. They got one guy up here, then another guy down there, and it's like, what are you doing, throwing darts at a dartboard, picking these songs? They made it clear. <clears throat> oh, God. Getting your freak on is more popular than holding hands. I, yeah. Get your freak on more popular than that. DG's Ask Us Anything is up next. <sighs> Before you get to your questions, guys, 30 years ago today, today, Shawn Michaels threw Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window. Whoa. I know. A seminal moment in wrestling, really. Yes. When I was a kid, like, that's one of the hardest heel turns I can remember. Like, when Jannetty went through the glass, I thought... This my world is shaken up. Well, to be honest, it ruined Marty Jannetty's career. <laughs> yeah, I really he was a nobody after that. And, and Shawn Michaels became this huge star. Didn't he like date his daughter? Marty Jannetty found out he had a daughter like twenty years after the fact. They got together and then like decided to start dating. Um, they what? were like, yeah, dude. I met Marty Jannetty one time when oh, I lived in New boy. York City. I met him, dude, at yeah. a bar. He like, um was dating his own daughter and uh they like knew that they were i'm pretty sure oh, big steve i don't know, did you know anything that? about that i did not okay <laughs> well you know you, you, know, back, so, you know marty Jannetty and Shawn michaels were in a tag team called the rockers yep uh go ahead with your uh, first question uh hey shout out to nick mack he's in the build um hey guys you want to get on the show nick Nick is get, get him cool. in here. Let's get some Ask Us Anything. Going. Um, hey, guys. What is a band or artiste that you liked when you were young, but you cringe when you think about it now? For me, I'm. this is embarrassing. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. I thought Marky Mark was cool. Not anymore. Yeah, I'd be embarrassed about that, too. <laughs> All right, Nick. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, pal. <laughs> God. That's a tough one. I, 
I've never been embarrassed to like admit music I used to like. Or, yeah, but even like I like I, I mean I was a big Backstreet Boys NSYNC guy. That would be the two. Seven. Like like not not because people get hung up on that. Like they're like I don't care what anybody says. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is when you're you're about to fall asleep and you're almost there, you drift off and you go, oh god, I owned a Backstreet Boys CD. That's Terrible news for yourself. Oh, a friend and I used to think we were in the Backstreet Boys. We used to pretend. Oh! Somebody get that VHS uh, footage now. Do you guys have an answer? Honestly, I'm kind of in the same boat you are. Like, I just, I can't really think of anything that I'm embarrassed that I ever liked, you know? (laughs) Dude, I can tell you right now, that is a lie. It's really not, though. If I got to go through your CD collection from when you were a kid, I could probably pick out 10 CDs that I could roast you on, Big Steve. 10. Nick McNamara is from SoCal. I'm sure he ran into some bands a little bit out there. You know, I've I've met a few Kiss uh, (laughs) artists, but they're not the people I'm embarrassed of. I'd say Kid Rock. Oh, I'm pretty embarrassed by listening answer. to that one. Oh. Great okay, answer. Okay, you know what? I retract. You're right. I'm a filthy liar. I forgot about Kid Rock. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay, yeah. All right. I like that. I, I like that. Um, let's see. Hey, if uh, you could bring back a TV show, one TV show that's been canceled or just has gone through its run... For one episode, Man. what would you bring back? Me, Sopranos, no question. Well, to figure out what happened, I want to know. Um, God, that's a tough one. Sorry. I'm trying to think of like what shows ended. Wait a yeah, minute. Let like me, okay. I'll cut like that. Brought back. Scary movie that messed you up as a little kid. One that you were like, no, me, Hellraiser. I was terrified of that. And I could watch just about anything. The Hellraiser thing came on and I screamed. The oh first, I remember the first Saw movie, I did have a few nightmares about, Oof. like, you know, being in a pretty awful situation. <laughs> yeah. Big um, Steve, I know he has an answer for this one. For me, it's actually not like an actual scary movie. Passion of the Christ. Watched that when I was eight years old. That was terrifying. Because <laughs> I was sick in bed with the flu, too. So I was already loopy. Oh, no. That's a great answer. Nick? Twister, and that's actually just bad omens coming out here because it's not helped whenever I hear oh, a siren. Oh, Makes sense. SoCal Nick. kid didn't have tornadoes. Those are I get it. Great answers, dude. We're back tomorrow, full two hours. The game. See you later.